0: We're recording, we're recording, we're recording, we're recording.
1: <laughs> uh, hi everyone, I'm Harper. I'm Jonathan. And this is Hawkeyes.
2: Authentic knowledge and feelings.
3: I feel it, I feel it!
2: Okay, yeah, I know where you're going with this. You want a little cliff
3: that
1: makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead it's like, cool. But I'm really not no, 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 no. <laughs> we are so happy to be joined once again you may remember him from the good kill episode or you may know him from his work at IndieWire. it's steve green
0: hi um minor fact check uh uh, different andrew nickel movie i was on for the lord of war episode
3: Oh, lord of war right, oh yeah. my gosh right, i'm so but sorry I, I could uh,
0: but but i could see how you could mix those up because they're very similar it's like oh Ethan hawk's in a movie about the dangers of uh, geopolitical overreach and, uh, <laughs> outsourcing outsourcing uh, weapons as business throughout the world
1: yeah i have fully conflated both of those movies in my mind
0: that's how you know we've done a lot of these
1: yeah yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't blame you. You've done what uh oh uh, almost a hundred.
1: Yeah, this is our seventy sixth episode that we're recording. Okay. So okay, there it's, you go. It's yeah. substantial.
2: And the last movie that we have. Yes, yeah, so this uh, is our
1: last movie. Oh wow! Yeah. It's
3: crazy.
2: And uh, then
1: we have seven episodes of the Good Lord Bird, and then that's about it. Yeah.
0: Good. End of an era. Well, well, I am honored that you would uh, include me on this episode uh, because. Um, I, I loved, uh, Michael Almirada's, uh, one of his previous movies to this experimenter. Uh, mm-hmm. and so when you gave me the list of potential options and Tesla was on it, I had said, yes, that's the one that I want to do that one. Yes, please. So, uh, thank you for letting me, uh, select this.
1: Nice. Yeah, I haven't seen Experimenter. It is on my watch list, my very, very long watch list on Letterboxd. Uh,
0: (laughs) Oh, are there are there a lot of movies?
1: Yeah, there are so (laughs) many movies out there. um, And I think almost every single one of them is on my list. Um, But yeah, yeah, I have because, you know, we've done mm, two, three Almereta, three maybe Almereta films
0: maybe. Who can say? I don't know. I don't know. Cause yeah, because Ham- Hamlet and Cymbeline, those are...
1: Cymbeline, right, right, yeah. yes, that's the one. That's the one.
2: You're really losing it there. I
1: know. I'm, they're all escaping me. I used to be so good at all this Ethan Hawke trivia, and now it's all escaping me. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so Hamlet, uh, which is, you know, like a lot of people's Ethan Hawke favorite, you know, or their intro yeah. to Ethan Hawke, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people watched it in high school, uh, you know, English classes or whatever.
0: I, um, I actually did not see Hamlet until... Uh, until uh actually last night as we we're recording uh, and my goodness is that the most 2000 movie ever made <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it very uh, much like is. you don't you don't need to put anything else in a time capsule other than that movie for future generations to go oh, okay that must be what living in 2000 was like yeah
1: yeah those jeans that she wears uh they're just the
0: jeans the, yeah. the pepsi one vending machine the blockbuster uh, just mm-hmm. the, yeah just the like uh you know, Ethan like Ethan Hawke's character, Hamlet invents vlogging. Like that's just, <laughs> it's it's yeah. great. It's great.
1: Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess we should start off by asking, how, do you feel like your relationship with Ethan Hawke has changed at all in the last year?
0: Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that I've seen many more Ethan Hawke movies. Um, but uh, but I really do think that the this sort of unintentional double feature of Hamlet and Tesla has just kind of put into focus how much he has changed and grown as an actor over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I said last time that like, for me, Ethan Hawke represents like a very cerebral kind of acting uh, that that's very, that has a lot of intent. And, and even if, even if you don't really see the seams of what he's doing on camera, like, you know, that there's intent behind it. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and I think, Charting the the difference between Hamlet and Tesla, and especially Good Lord Bird, um, it, it's 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 interesting to see how he has taken that same level of sort of intellectual rigor and actually been able to make it feel more natural. Um, that that Hamlet very much feels like somebody trying to act in a Shakespearean style, and <laughs> trying to act in, 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 a, in, a, in what that movie wants him to be. Whereas, um, I think Good Lord Bird just feels so much more naturalistic. Like, like yes, there are specific choices being made, and there's a specific method behind it, obviously, but, uh, but he feels so much more at ease um, I don't know if it's just because he's you know, uh, ruining his voice box and, and <laughs> drooling all over the place <laughs> that that makes it a little easier to just be more like primal and not have to like actually think about all the steps along the way. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think he's, for whatever reason, I think the, uh, the, the thought processes that go into his choices as an actor are now more in line with his sort of natural ability rather than him having to like frame his brain and his choices in a specific way.
1: Totally. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, interesting. I mean, just talking about Hamlet and uh, the way that he does Shakespeare um, just reminds me a lot of he was in this thing called Shakespeare Uncovered, which is like a PBS series with actors doing Shakespeare. And um, so he was in one of those about Macbeth, where he you could tell like just the way that he's so like he does like really think about every choice that he makes and like he was going through like the the dagger scene in Macbeth like line by line and you know really working it out um and then you know so and and that I think still though really resonates with him because his new book is coming out this year um where he's I I forget what he's doing. It's about, like, you know, an actor going through a divorce t- uh, while he's doing Shakespeare on Broadway, you know. So, you know, I don't think he's ever really too far removed from that part of his uh, his himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, maybe he didn't lead a, you know, a raid on a, uh, on a, uh, a weapons cache in the 1840s, <laughs> but... <laughs> Like, like that. And, and I, I, sh- I actually should say that uh, in the interim, uh, since we last talked, mm-hmm. uh, I actually got the chance to interview Ethan Hawke for Good Lord Bird. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. And, and, uh, and had, I, had I thought of that, I would have asked, like, okay, well, what is the thing in your life that you could connect to that? Um, so I'm sorry, I can't provide an answer to that. But, uh, but we did talk about the fact that um, he did bring up uh, the idea of the Disney uh, Robin Hood.
3: Mm.
0: And and sort of one of the things in his preparation was trying to figure out like what kind of animal John Brown would be, <laughs> and and how he would sort of line that up with and, and, and sort of let that inform some of his choices from there. Um, so so I I, uh, I I wonder I wonder what Tesla's animal would be like. Is he is he he seems like a I don't know, like maybe a maybe a skunk, <laughs> maybe like, yeah. like just kind of like lurking sure, in the corner yeah. and then yeah, like yeah. is. You know, in 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 some circumstances, is kind of you know cuddly and furry and cute, but then like sort of has this like uh, sort of darker, uh, uh, vindictive side that that when it when when provoked, he's not afraid to use it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, something maybe a little slithery about about Tesla. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, that's interesting. Disney Robin Hood, though. I think like you told me about that when you talked to him, but. Um, uh we had been talking recently i forget with who but about like whether we thought he showed disney movies to his kids <laughs> because he, he we does... know he's real big on like buster keaton he has talked about like you know showing the, like classics like that to his kids but uh yeah uh,
0: he's, he seems for sure like a looney tunes guy like he's got that sort of like subversive <laughs> chaotic energy to where he'd be like yeah the, the my secretly my hero is like daffy duck or something
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's funny
1: well, cool. Should we get into Tesla?
0: Sure. Let's sure, please. please. Yeah. Let, me, wait, quick, let me get on my roller skates.
1: Uh, <laughs> and... uh, yeah, let's grab those ice cream cones. Um, so we saw Tesla at a drive-in in August. Yes. Oh, yeah, wow. That was fun. We went to Mission Tiki, um, which is a bit of a drive from here, but worth it, I think. Yeah. It's a fun time to go out there what a
0: a great movie for that atmosphere like because it's got that sort of weird like mixing of modern day and past and and sort of breaking the fourth wall thing like that seems like like a drive-in would kind of almost be perfect
1: yeah i feel like my only trouble with seeing it at a drive-in is that it's like kind of like a quiet movie Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know and so i and also, Mission Tiki is the one that has the train going, like, right yeah. behind the screen, too. <laughs> uh... So, like, you have to kind of really be, like, focusing a lot um, when you're watching a movie there, unless it's something that's, like, really in your face. So, I don't know. I, I will say it made me really long for, like, the landmark theater in, in West LA. Because mm-hmm. um, 100% I would have seen it there if theaters were open. And, you know, just couch theater... Would have seen Jonathan's friend Martine who works there. You it's know, true. it would have it's just, uh, yeah, that whole. It really made me think a lot about theaters and how much I miss them. Mm-hmm. Um, but drive-ins are still cool.
2: Yes, they are. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, but they're,
2: they're no substitute. Yeah, they're just a, they're they're their own thing. They're their own know? thing. Yeah.
0: No, I I I, I mean I watch this on Hulu, but I completely agree. Like this is, um, and and I for as much as I love experimenter, I actually watched that on a screener. And so I, I now I kind of wish that I had seen both of those movies in theaters just because mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, it, it, I feel like with a movie that, that sort of blends this like history and fiction and, uh, documentary feel like it, it's, it's, you kind of don't want anything to distract you at all because like, it cause it's moving through so many different ideas and so many different styles that it's easy to kind of let your mind kind of drift a little bit. If you're in a movie theater, like it will, it will, it will, lead you back to the screen right away but if you're just kind of stuck in your apartment it's like oh okay this is kind of a dream like fantasy sequence like all right what's on my uh my posters on my wall like on my bookshelf (laughs) like like it it, it, yeah yeah, yeah. uh, there is a little bit of that
1: Mm -hmm. um and so yeah and so you watched this for the first time recently right Yes, yes yes um i remember when this movie came out there was like a lot of like buzz about it i feel like everyone came out of sundance being like we can't tell you anything but there were roller skates <laughs>
0: you know
1: um and
0: ice cream cones
1: yeah Um, I was very like tuned in because by that point, you know, we were like halfway through the podcast when Mm -hmm. this movie, when Sundance was happening and I was very tuned in to every, like I had my Ethan Hawke Google alert going. I was always paying attention to everything. Um, So I was really anticipating this movie all year.
0: Um, Well, when, when, when I was on. Uh, at the end of 2019 I remember like in your news roundup that was the first thing you mentioned was like oh Tesla's going to be at Sundance it's part of the lineup they officially announced it so, so this is a fun little full circle mm-hmm. yeah Yeah.
1: we've we've done a full year of Ethan Hawke and um, yeah I mean I hope we can have you on again next year we're going to stop for a while but it'll be fun to have you on again next year because he's going to do like five movies coming out in yeah. 2021 yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah.
0: it's non-stop yeah yeah, maybe maybe we can do that one in person. That would be that would be oh, fun.
1: Yeah, it's the dream. Fingers crossed. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about it. The roller skating is how the movie starts out. We yeah. see, um, I called them E H squared, Ethan Hawke and Eve Hewson. Uh, they're <laughs> they're roller skating around a little like uh, I don't know what you would call that in the middle of a building, but it's outdoor.
0: You know, like an atrium. Yeah, yeah,
1: like an atrium. Um. Yeah and uh so she's she's really like the narrator telling the story. Um she's Anne Morgan, who's the daughter of JP Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um and uh it's it's interesting her relationship to Tesla. They're kind of like not quite romantic. Um, they're, they're kindred
0: they're kindred spirits. Mhm yeah who don't necessarily like consummate it anyway i guess yeah yeah
1: um but we cut from that that skating to nine years earlier in like a very dark scene with uh kyle mclaughlin as edison and uh he and tesla uh, played by ethan Hawke, is there um and edison is telling this story this like depressing story about like a childhood friend that drowned uh when he was when he was young um and it's a it's a very but then we come it turns into this very tense exchange between tesla and edison played by ethan Hawke and Kyle mclaughlin who uh we've seen together before yes
2: it's been a while it's been a while rich in love
1: yeah rich in love and also hamlet hamlet they were actually yeah. on screen together right, 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 right. um and then before that was rich in love where i don't think they were ever on screen together they were just in the same movie Yeah, i
2: think you're probably right
1: have you seen that
0: uh, I have not, but in listening to the Hamlet episode, I now know that that is only available on DVD. So. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> uh, we have it if you ever want to borrow. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this is not their first time working together, and you can tell. I feel like you can really tell they have this this chemistry on screen together that that works super well for these characters that are like kind of combative in a. It's like mildly humorous way,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because like watching Hamlet, I feel like Ethan Hawke is now where Kyle McLaughlin was when Hamlet was made. Like like there's, there's a, there's a kind of mirroring of their like career arcs mm-hmm. um, that, that, that like when, when MacLachlan was sort of in that sort of Dune uh, era of his career, he was kind of the, the, a, a, a a guy with leading man charisma who kind of didn't hadn't quite figured out how to use his innate acting abilities, but yet as he sort of aged into being a character actor, he kind of like synced up more with, with what he was best at. And I feel like that's what is happening with Ethan Hawke now.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. True.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fun to see the two of the, their energies back and forth um, when they're now both at a period where they're kind of like right in the, the respective pockets of who they are as actors.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We don't get to see them on screen together a lot in this movie, but I do think it always works. And um, there's a... Yeah. So after that first confrontation, then it turns into this other thing where... uh, So Tesla has invented er, a motor. Yes. And he... DC power, what is it? I don't know. I know nothing about science. <laughs> it's, uh, this yeah. is, it's it's real hard. I feel like after the first time we watched it, Jonathan really had to explain how electricity <laughs> works. <to me>. Okay, <laughs> I
2: have I have like only a very very cursory understanding. Mm-hmm. But to the best of my knowledge, it's so Tesla developed alternating current, AC. Oh, uh,
1: AC. Okay, okay.
2: And alternating current, is like it moves in like waves, basically. And it's generally regarded as like safer and more reliable. Um, and AC is like you plug into the wall, you're getting AC. Like most mm-hmm. of what you, most of the power you use on a day-to-day basis is AC. But DC power still exists. It's mostly batteries, is my understanding, is direct current. Mm. So that's that. That's how I understand it.
1: Gotcha. And I and
2: I, I feel like uh,
0: Edison's description of it is is pretty like it, it's a nice little sort of metaphorical comparison mm-hmm. that the direct current is just like straight on of water like like if you want water you get water
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um and then alternating current is is more uh if you want water you have it's like a hose where you can sort of control the the spigot and 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 let through as much as you need and as much as you want and, and it's weird to hear edison sort of using that description as an argument for why his is superior like it's right. it's it's, right. it's uh it's, it's sort of like, it's, it's one in a long string of decisions based on hubris in this movie that are really interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, I feel like a lot of times when the, the sort of the current war story is told, um, it's, it's either like fully in like someone's opinion that someone was right and someone was wrong. Uh, and so that's one of the things I respect about this movie is that even though like this is, this movie is called Tesla and it is really like from his experience, um, like it, it, it's not afraid to show that like, yeah, this was a guy that maybe, uh, made some mistakes of his own and it wasn't like he was infallible.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you said the current war and that totally reminds me, uh, just shortly before this movie, there was another movie that came out right. that was like the same story, um, with Nicholas Holt, right. As Tesla. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, I I missed that one, but my dad saw it and I think he liked it. And that's mm-hmm. all I know about mm-hmm. that movie.
0: <laughs> well that that one, that one was weird. That's uh that that got caught up in uh the the Weinstein Company oh. dissolution. Oh I see. Much. Uh, so there were essentially two versions of that movie. Um there was the one that, that they wanted to distribute and then the one that um the director um uh basically worked with Martin Scorsese, who had like final cut approval. To, to sort of reconfigure it and so there's a uh, like an official director's cut that i think got its own separate release oh, wow. um so yeah so it's it's, it's it's weird like that's a movie where it, it kind of exists in two different forms
1: hmm.
0: Hmm. much wow. like many other weinstein movies mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> from that time yeah um Interesting. yeah what's happening oh yeah so okay so then yeah so the ice cream cones um,
0: yes, f- the, like the uh, one of the best scenes in
1: the movie. Yeah, totally. So um, Edison is kind of confronting Tesla, like, "Oh, you think I owe you what fifty thousand dollars for this motor?" Um, and then they proceed to like just kind of smash their ice cream <laughs> cones on each other. Yeah. Um. And this, I, I, I liked the scene a lot. It was just one really fun to watch. Ethan Hawke and Kyle MacLachlan you know smash ice cream on each other but two what it does is it kind of like establishes that you need to question everything that's happening in this movie Mm -hmm. um because it cuts away to eve hewson who's narrating and she has a macbook you know so we're also you know saying the things you're seeing aren't all necessarily from that time like later we see kyle mclaughlin with an iphone right you know so like we're playing with time we're playing with truth um and you need to kind of be critical in how you're like taking these things in, um, yeah. And so the stuff with Eve Houston with the laptop and like the projection that all kind of Google felt alert. like a, a huh
0: Google results. Yes, the Google results.
1: Yeah. yeah, that all kind of felt like a high school PowerPoint presentation to me a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Like just bit.
1: the way that she's you know saying. Uh, this is this this player in history, and when you Google him, this is what comes up, and then this is this other player in history. And if you Google him, this is what comes up. Um, you know, just, just yeah, really I, it, serving us the facts there.
0: It, it, it definitely has that Adam McKay big short feel to it. Um, but but I actually in reading some interviews with Mike uh he sort of acknowledged that uh, like he was kind of drawing a little bit from drunk history not oh, okay. um, not necessarily consciously like i'm going to make a movie this way but right. it, it was it was something that he he didn't shy away from those comparisons and whether it was sort of conscious or uh or whether it was something that he was just kind of uh uh using as a sort of a spiritual inspiration like that was i think that that he acknowledged that's sort of part of what guided his approach to this because it's it's a little it's a little different than experimenter even though they um they sort of take uh, similar approaches to kind of melding the idea of, of subject as narrator, and you're sort of questioning whether what you're seeing actually happened, and you're sort of unpacking myth versus legend versus truth. And um, so, so yeah, so this is this is this was not like uncharted territory for him, but definitely using uh, Anne Morgan as the the narrator is is uh, is I think it's an interesting choice to use her as a narrator, even if her part in it isn't necessarily used in the most efficient way.
1: Yeah. I kind of and I you know, going back to questioning things, I'm questioning my own reaction to her yeah. being used as a narrator because I I really wanted her to I like because she's narrating, I want the story to be about her. Like I I don't care as much about Tesla and all the other stuff that's going on because she is the one telling the story. Like, I want to know what's going on with her internally. Mm -hmm. And, like, does she feel things? Like, what is she (laughs) thinking about anything? And she really is just presenting it to us mostly. Um, And until the end where she kind of reveals more of her, you know, emotion there. but yeah you yeah. know but then is that then i have to think like is that really necessary like is it because she's like a female like because she's a woman that i want to know about what she's feeling like is that like what's you know i feel like there's a lot to unpack there
0: mm-hmm. um I, I think i may have like a, a bit of an answer there for you uh from what i understand this was um that the, the idea of making a tesla movie is something that al has been wanting to do for like 30 years mm-hmm. um he wrote it as a spec script which kind of got him into the the business originally at the, in the early nineties. But uh, it it seems like in those first drafts, um, the, the Ann Morgan parts were not really as prominently featured and that the, that those sections were more something that he added on as the years went by, as he tinkered with it, as he was preparing to actually make the script. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think he said in one interview that it, it was sort of a, an acknowledgement of him discovering more about Tesla as a person and, and finding out more about how the part that she played in it made it more sense to sort of have her be the vehicle to deliver that information. So if it seems like it's tacked on, it kind of is. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I, I agree. It would be, it would be nice to have a little bit more of her in it, but I think that's, I think that's true of pretty much everybody in this movie. Like I would, I kind of want, I kind of want more of their individual stories rather than like just the, what we see through tes- Tesla as like a prism.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then because I was kind of like watching this and longing for something just like just like a touch more like narrative. Right. Um, yeah. I, it made me think of kind of the flip side of that, which is um, radioactive, I think uh with um Rosamund Pike as Marie Curie and that one I I watched that and I was like oh I wish there was more of this like glowing dance sequence like I wish it had a little bit more you know so I don't know I feel like my what I want is something between Tesla and radioactive Mm -hmm. in a science uh, (laughs) biopic
0: yeah, and and I will say uh, at the risk of just invoking this at every single turn while talking about this movie, um, I think that mid ground that you're looking for is *Experimenter*. Uh, oh, okay. got, that that's a movie I love, and I I really it, it's one of my favorite movies of the 2010s, and I really think it is one of the best biopics ever made because it it really finds that sweet spot between both those things you're talking about, of of like actually considering the the sort of the reality that that person lived in juggling the like what we know about them and what we think we know about them and then that sort of like upper fantasy tier of of sort of uh putting on some some sort of fantastical layers that that make it like a visual cinematic experience too
2: who is it about
0: uh stanley milgram uh who is sort of famous in psychology circles for um in the in the 50s conducting a series of experiments where two people were sent into a room one person behind, uh, sort of a, a, a divider. Um, there would in these experiments, there'd be two people, there'd be a, a teacher and a learner, uh, and through a series of like, uh, prompts, the teacher would ask the learner to provide certain information. If they got the question right, um, it was fine. If they got the question wrong, they would be asked to administer a series of electrical oh, okay. shocks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so so the, the more they got wrong, the, the more intense the shocks got. The people admit, uh, sort of giving the shocks didn't know that it wasn't real.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, right.
0: but, but the experiment found that people were willing to follow orders and keep going even as they got into the shock range with voltage that could conceivably kill somebody. Right. And so it was sort of an experiment that showed that like people were capable of horrible things if they were uh, sort of programmed to follow orders.
2: And we have some idea of what the electric shock range that could kill someone is, because <laughs> that's do. addressed in this movie. In Tesla, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yep.
1: um, yeah. So I mean, I don't know if we want to jump ahead to that part, even. Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, after. So at a certain point, Tesla breaks free of, he stops working for Edison um, to try to do his own thing, ends up working as a ditch digger for a while, but then finally like strikes a deal to get like a salary in a lab so he can work on his motor.
2: Right. He works with Westinghouse now, right?
1: Yeah. And so then after that, they sell it to Westinghouse. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then there's like a big... You know because westinghouse and edison are like two major players in you know electricity right. um they're kind of feuding and uh there is uh, an electrocution that's going to happen of an axe murderer and so edison uses that as a kind of opportunity to jab at westinghouse and the tesla um ac power uh by saying that it's like dangerous and that it wouldn't you know effectively kill someone or that it would i don't know like kill someone too fast or something i don't Mm -hmm. know um
2: i guess the point is more to just draw like the this electricity is so powerful that if you come into contact with it you'll die yeah that's what they're he's trying to show yeah but he's he goes uh he goes about it to say that he's opposed to capital punishment even though he's kind of willing to like you know,
1: Yeah, you have, you know, DC, DC his power used to electrocute someone. And also, um, he he goes so far as to say that like Westinghouse should come and like try to be electrocuted, you know, and and like you know, show that happening just to show that it's safe or something. Um, so yeah, that's pretty intense. And what ends up happening is that they do electrocute this guy. And it takes a really long time, and they have to do it twice. Yeah, because they're using Edison's power.
2: I saw, I saw, uh, because okay, they they. I feel like the era of electric electrocutions Mm -hmm. was relatively. I feel like how long was it?
1: well, I, I think it's like longer than you think because *Just Mercy* took place in the '80s. My only frame of reference is movies for anything, mm-hmm. um, but *Just Mercy* takes place in like the '80s, right? And there was so and and that's in that movie. There's so a I guess probably most of the 20th
2: century. Then they were using
1: probably yeah.
2: Because I I saw I saw this uh, there was this article I read that that said that that they should bring back the like the guillotine and the firing squad.
1: Oh, uh huh.
2: The point being that if if you're in favor of capital punishment, then
1: then a human should have to do it. No.
2: The the point is that that, then someone should actually like you see them die. Uh, You know what I mean? uh Like it's 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 the the uh, the guillotine and the it it was kind of a roundabout way of saying that capital punishment shouldn't be used. But the point was that the guillotine and the firing squad are so graphic that you're like if you see that happen you're like is this is this how we want to, how we want to do things mm-hmm. you know cuz the with the lethal injection you're kind of deluding yourself into thinking it's like more humane but we yeah. already know that there are plenty of instances where like the cuz it's it's supposed to work like it's like three doses or something like that mm-hmm. and the first one like puts you to sleep and the second one or whatever and then there's plenty of stories where like the first one doesn't work and then the person is suffering and then you know so you know I mean really like at the end of the day like the most the most hu- well probably the most humane way to go is like either like a firing squad, you know
0: well and this was this was a conversation that they that like in the day uh, around the like the first official state electrocution they were having uh, even just like what to call it because like electrocution was a word that they basically invented for right this this thing like it obviously didn't exist before. Uh, and it was, I thought it was interesting that, that one of the other terms they considered for, like, I- instead of being electrocuted, they actually tossed around the idea of like, calling it being Westinghouse, of Aww. actually tying it to people who helped to either help develop the technology or help distribute the technology. So, mm-hmm. um, and like, there were, there were questions uh of of like style guides at at like various newspapers of like like what terms to use and whether that that was acceptable or whether it was barbaric or or whatever the case may be i think there was i think there was initial pushback to the term electrocution um before it finally sort of just caught on in the public
2: use Mm -hmm. wow interesting
1: yeah. Um, and then one thing that happens in this movie, like after the electrocution is it cuts to like Edison and his wife are maybe in Paris or Chicago or somewhere else. And they um, like a reporter asks them about, you know, to comment on the electrocution. And then the, the, his wife, I think, dismissively says like, oh, they put it. He had hair on his head. Hair doesn't conduct electricity. And then, you know, and that's it. It's like, Ooh. Yikes. Ooh. Big yikes.
0: Yeah, I, I really thought we were heading towards a repeat of uh, the scene from The Green Mile uh, where you see uh, the character get electrocuted, which is really just one of the more unsettling things that's ever been put on a, uh, a movie screen. So I, I, um, uh, I am I, I'm grateful that they uh, really only show the after effect of it. Rather than the actual, because like, I think there is something like overly, um, kind of grossly indulgent about like showing that uh, in, in 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 for any other reason than showing like how brutal it is. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but yeah, that you, you do get to see like Edison's kind of um, like I guess crass attitude toward like human life he, he he he's he's seen as not really he's be he's more concerned with like the the how the electricity is applied than he is about the fact that it took you know the five however many minutes it was to to actually kill this guy mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah um oh yeah and then the other interesting way that this was framed was it kind of cuts back and forth between the electrocution and then this kind of um demonstration that tesla is doing of mm. uh of his uh, power with like he's these
2: lights a light show. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. He's,
0: he's, he's doing the uh like air traffic control like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guys in the runway yeah. like doing the lights uh, no that but that that i mean that looks incredible yeah uh, I, like, like like fluorescent bulbs have never looked as cool as they do when like ethan hawk is just like wielding them around <laughs>
1: Totally. So, yeah, so we see him holding these fluorescent lights and then also, like, he hands the, the um, some kind of electricity thing, device, I don't know, <laughs> to this older, like, this older wealthy woman who's, like, in the crowd and she handles it herself and it's totally safe and fine. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we're seeing that as the flip side to yeah. uh, what happens to the electrocution. Right. Um,
0: which, which is kind of cool for two reasons. Like, one is, like, that's a fun little mirror to... Like when when the Tesla character enters in the Prestige,
3: mm, and he mm-hmm. hands him
0: the the light bulb, and it's like, oh, see, like you're lighting up, uh, you're lighting up the bulb. And two, I I think that's Lois Smith playing the um, the old woman who is the star of Marjorie Prime, another Mike Meraida movie. Like he has this like really cool like uh, like sort of troop of actors mm-hmm. and actresses that he uses for a lot of his movies. So mm-hmm. a lot of people that are in Hamlet are in this. Um, like I think one of the guys that he talks to. Uh, at the very beginning, when he's working for Edison, is the guy who played Horatio in. Oh, okay, in, and so so it, it's 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 fun like seeing all these people who have been in like his other movies kind of pop up in different scenes here and there.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: Yeah around this time we also see someone Who's from the Ethan Hawke cinematic universe um, Josh Hamilton appears right, yeah. uh, You know this is like our Fifth Josh Hamilton yeah, he's, movie He's just, he's, he's just he's always, always there, there yeah. And he didn't even really do a lot in this movie He had maybe like two or three lines yeah. the whole time He's just there with his like his little glasses His little turn of the century <laughs> glasses And his little mm. curls
0: He um, doesn't read the paper That's you know.
1: He does read the paper yeah um, So that was fun It's always fun to see him I like that he he and Ethan Hawke are just hanging out all the time. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. and I love that for them. Um, so yeah, shortly after this, we get another like not true scene where Edison and Tesla like meet at the Chicago Ch- Chicago World Fair, but they, they it doesn't actually happen. But it's this scene, this kind of you know fantasy sequence where Tesla meets with uh, Edison and Edison says, "Oh, good job. Sorry. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'll give you a job. You can do whatever you want. And I'll I'll just, you know, let you do it." Mm-hmm. Um and and, the... and
0: nothing and nothing else of note happens in that scene whatsoever. It just plays very normally and everything <laughs> comes turns out exactly how you expect.
1: Mm-hmm. Um No, so there's uh also, a what does he call it? Like it's like a, a moving picture box, yeah, yeah, yeah. kinetoscope or something. Um, okay. So Ethan Hawke like looks into that, and then there's like a little moving picture thing, and then also. Um, we see Kyle McLaughlin. He walks over to the bar to get a light for his cigar, and he pulls out his iPhone. Yeah,
0: which is it's great. It's, it's great. It's great. I, and I, I like that that there's a purpose to it. It's not just cheeky. Mm-hmm. Um, like it just it also kind of underlines the idea that um that these two men were kind of in different social strata. That that uh that Edison is the kind of guy who. Uh, like, he had enough money that if, if an iPhone existed, like, he would have been able to buy one. And, and so that it's it's a, it's a nice little commentary on um, not just, like, blurring lines between present and past. Like, it, it's actually showing, like, the division between, like, Edison and Tesla as, like, sort of where they were in society, which I think is... is
2: right, sad. and it's also a reminder that the technology that he's using, this anachronistic technology or the Mac or any of that stuff as we have today is largely because of the innovations of that time. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And then it also ties into, you know, later in the movie as Tesla moves beyond just the motor, he has bigger and bigger ideas, which are essentially cell phones Mm -hmm. and smartphones, Mm -hmm. you know, that's Mm -hmm. essentially his, his concept, but he's just so many, it's so many generations removed between what he, what exists already to what he's envisioning. You know that there's just no way mm-hmm. to get to that point from where he is, with no one else who can like see his idea. You know.
0: Um, Ethan Hawke's Hamlet invented vlogging. <laughs> Ethan Hawke's Tesla invented cell phones. Like the guy, the guys, a, the guys a visionary. He is absolutely.
1: Um. Oh man. And then something happens that's just so brutal to me. Uh, contract law um westinghouse (laughs) (laughs) westinghouse says uh to tesla like listen you know if we keep this part of your contract that says that we owe you royalties every time uh ac power is used we're gonna go bankrupt we can't do anything we won't be able to support any of your future projects like you know we so what do you say we just uh, don't respect this contract anymore, and Tesla rips it up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: also, it's Jim Gaffigan.
1: Oh yeah, it's Jim Gaffigan. I don't think about. he's
2: Westinghouse. I think he's like his lawyer or something. No, like I think that. he's no, Westinghouse. he, he, is, he, is, he Westinghouse. is Westinghouse. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and again, Gaffigan is incredible
0: an experimenter. So if you if 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 you uh, mm-hmm. if you watch this and thought like I want more of Jim Gaffigan as a <laughs> historical figure <laughs> delivering like a really good like grounded dramatic performance, like yeah, that's that's uh, again like that's that's something for your watch list
1: cool mm-hmm. yeah my my mom's a big fan of that jim gaffigan the sitcom that he does is where it's mm-hmm. like about his family and all yep. of his children i watched one episode that really stressed me out where <laughs> he was because i i used to be like a summer camp after school counselor and so i i know what it's like to be responsible for a group of children and he there's like an episode where he takes like his like eight kids or whatever to the museum and he loses one of them <laughs> oh, and no. it was just uh That's funny. yeah Um, But I liked Jim Gaffigan, and I liked him from uh, back in the day. He was on My Boys, which Mm -hmm. was a TBS show that I liked a lot. Uh, Very funny. Yeah. Great show. Great cast.
0: TBS. TBS.
1: Oh, yeah. TBS. Very funny. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Having having not seen him in too many other dramatic things that I can think of, I, I was still not surprised at all that he was, like, you know, a capable dramatic actor. Like, he just kind of... Yeah, it just he kind of exudes that. Like there's a, a side to him that he can do that.
1: Totally. Um. And then just when we're, uh, you know, kind of settled into this, uh, you know, whole current war story, um, we we get the introduction of a new character, Sarah Bernhard.
0: Sarah
1: um, Bernhard. As as, as Nicole. Well, I always Kinnman. want
0: to call. I always want to call Sandra Bernhard. Sandra Bernhard. <laughs> that's that's not. It's not her.
1: No. Um, I, you know, my, of course, my first introduction to Sarah Bernhardt as a person is from Moulin Rouge when Nicole mm. Kidman says, do you think I could be like the great Sarah Bernhardt?" <laughs> uh, my favorite. So I've always kind of been aware of who she was. Um, so it was fun to see her in this. Another Ethan Hawke connection um, in that Shakespeare Uncovered Macbeth show. Um, there's a whole segment where they talk about Actresses who've played Lady Macbeth And so Sarah Bernhardt was a pretty notable right. Lady Macbeth um, So it's all connected It's all connected <laughs> <laughs> um, And so she's kind of presented as like a I don't know Like a kind of a Alternative to Anne Morgan for Tesla She's there's You know and she's a little like Her whole thing is like about death yeah. And it's very like sexual. She's
2: died on stage a million times, and yeah. she's like, you know,
0: uh, my my note for this was Tesla and Bernhardt being just super goth together. Yeah, <laughs> totally.
2: Yeah, they're <laughs> like they, they, the they, they definitely chocolate. have
0: that like like high school senior uh, just discovered my chemical romance energy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, she sleeps in a coffin. Is at least the story about her is that she right. sleeps in a coffin.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um. And I, I really liked, there's this, so she's leaving the room and she turns back and looks at him and says, you can't look at me like this without consequence. <laughs> that was that was like one of the most funny, the funniest things in this movie to me. I liked it a lot. Um, but yeah, and that's kind of, I mean, the end of that part of his life and he moves to Colorado. Yes. Um. He's
2: ultimately not that interested in. Anne in any anyone really yeah true yeah
1: yeah because earlier in the movie um we kind of we didn't mention this but he has like a best friend slash assistant who he knew from europe um and then he just kind of drops him Mm -hmm. Um, well
2: i think what wasn't it that was that the guy that had the invention or whatever that tesla tells him was that the same guy oh because i think what my my understanding of what happened was that his friend tells him about this compass that he developed Mm -hmm. and then Tesla has the unfortunate task of breaking the news to him that like this has already been invented, yeah, right? And right. so he I kind guess. of ends up basically just giving up on on inventing stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. No, so I, and I, I also love that dynamic because especially in those like pitch meetings where they're going to investors, um, it's such a it's such a great shortcut because you're seeing that. Like these people who are basically presenting the, this like motor and this idea, like they they are the ones doing it on Tesla's behalf, even though he's in the room. Yeah. So even though you don't you don't you necessarily have scenes where like the characters are talking to Tesla, being like, "I believe in your invention. You're a great person." Like all you need is just the fact that they are the ones pitching the idea, and that you get the double it it it, it, it sort of kills two birds with one stone. That like it shows how much that they are committed to his ideas, and it shows like how much he like doesn't want to be the person who has to like do the dirty work of getting money. He just wants to like be in his lab futzing around with the technology and like actually putting it into practice rather than doing all of the sort of social trappings that, that come so easily to Edison. I think he kind of re- resents him for, uh, for being so natural in that sort of like socialite public level.
2: Right. And they do uh, tell us that very explicitly with the, uh... This is how many hits there are for Thomas Edison, and this mm-hmm. is how many yeah. hits there are for Nikola Tesla. That he yeah, we, he, we, 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 he lacks the kind of self promotional skills needed to uh, get out of and and he lacks the business skills needed to like see that this contract that he ripped up. It was a terrible terrible idea for him yeah, to do. Yeah, like
1: Edison understood branding in a way that Tesla totally yeah. did Tesla, not.
2: Tesla Tesla he just seemed like he was only interested in like I have this great invention and I want it to go everywhere and whatever however it gets there is not as important to me.
0: Yeah. And he, and he even says in that like imaginary world's fair meeting like like I know PR <laughs> like that's, that's like I I yeah, he he, he knew how to sort of pitch himself to the public yeah
1: in colorado he goes to study the lightning there because the altitude is high
0: just doing super normal stuff in colorado
1: yeah really normal he's gonna (laughs) like take lightning from the sky and send it back yeah essentially is what he's doing
2: this this part is visually very kind of interesting because it's like it's the whole thing he's like standing in front of this painted backdrop and they're not like Mm -hmm they're not pretending it's not a backdrop. It's like very obviously that he's standing in front of like a screen or a backdrop. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of an interesting way to have a different visual and also, I guess, save money when you're filming. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's another Amarita thing. Like uh, experimenter uses like rear projection uh, in like a couple driving scenes where mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's sort of this like knowing, uh, that, that, like using the technology that in past would have like saved you money and and were sort of normal production styles to to then like incorporate those to draw attention to the fact that we are like constructing a myth. We're constructing like a a fake representation of this idea, kind of like in that drunk history style where it's like we're 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 going to we're going to purposely use these shortcuts to remind you that what you're watching is something to be taken with a grain of salt,
2: right, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, what's kind of interesting about that, too, is like rear projection. I remember learning about that like in a Hitchcock class that I took, you mm-hmm. know, where we watched all of his movies and that was just all we did. Um, but... uh you know, I remember thinking it was so impressive because the rear projection combined, the way he managed to do it combined with, like, the technology of the time, like, the f- the way it looked on film, it actually ends up looking very realistic, I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but when you're doing it on, I assume this was on digital, you know, mm-hmm. it, like, it it has a totally different effect because it does not look remotely real at all. You know, the, the image is too crisp for it to look real. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're... Like way more aware of what you know of all of the components of creating the movie um, than you would have been, you know, with like an older movie that used the same technology. It's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I I was um and for, for forgive me if I'm wrong, but I was looking for like specific uh like theater experience in Almerita's background because mm-hmm. a lot of that would sort of lend itself to like these are the kind of tricks you do on stage uh that that when you're when you're in front of a live audience to sort of give the illusion of that depth or to sort of play around with conventions of movie styles to, to make people feel more comfortable when they're experiencing a, a story in like a live setting. Um, and so it, it's, it's, I, I don't, I, don't I, I didn't really find a whole lot in his background that would suggest that, but, but it's interesting that he brings like that style to, um, to film.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah. So the thing he makes is called a Tesla coil. Now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh my note was i don't know how science works but he's like taking the lightning and sending it back up or something um and yeah, what
2: i've i've seen a tesla coil because they have one at um the uh, observatory yeah at the observ- observatory yeah yeah, yeah yeah and one of my favorite places in the world yes i miss it terribly um mm. but i don't understand what it's does it have a function or does it just look cool like what is it supposed to do? Do you know what a tussle well, coil is for? I thought it was
1: send he was trying to he said he was trying to rip a hole in the sky by sending <laughs> right, the lightning right, back right. up. Right. So I assume that's what it's a directional thing uh-huh. that uh, points, you know, electricity back where it came from. Mhm. But I don't
0: know. I, I'm I'm pretty sure he intended it to have a like an actual pragmatic function. Uh I think the idea was that because um, they talk about how Edison has like specific electricity companies around the country. Um, I think like Tesla's vision was for each neighborhood to have its own Tesla coil, mm-hmm. and and to have it be like this sort of energy distribution system that would be efficient and would sort of take the the AC principles that he was working with and actually like sort of project it on a on a sort of mass scale. Right. Um, but but I think like this like what you see in 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 his sort of Colorado days is him like developing this technology, and I think that's. Um, the, the sort of sending lightning back is, is, is sort of a description, sort of a a poetic description of what he's trying to do, I guess. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. And what he ends up doing though, is like taking out the power for the entire city that he's in. (laughs) 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 Um, so that when he gets back to the hotel, everything's candlelit and very moody. And Sarah Bernhardt is there waiting for him (laughs) Mm because she's visiting him, uh, while she's on tour. And... There's
0: one, there's one. The moment I love in that test the coil sequence is them like hammering the sign before they go in to actually test it, the mm-hmm. keep out sign. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, like I, that's one of the things that I love about, um, about how Almirada makes movies. Uh, he's super indulgent in some places, but in other places, he's just very economical in just getting across an idea with just like a single image and a single shot. Like, you don't need three minutes of prep of them like describing how dangerous it is like like the the groundwork has already been laid to where like all you do is just have one person hammering in that sign to let let you know a this is dangerous B like the, their facial expressions is how they're thinking of it and C they don't want anybody else to, to sort of know what they're doing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh. The thing that Sarah Bernhardt did remind me of, weirdly, was the greatest showman. Yeah. <laughs> did you think yeah. of that too?
2: Yeah, I did, yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I mean she's like a, you know, essentially like a redheaded temptress. Yeah. Of at the turn <laughs> of the century. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? So it's hard not to think about that. Um, and yeah, so she they have this whole nothing happens between them, right? I kind of zoned out during that. I don't part, think to anything does, no. No, yeah.
2: I don't think, like I said, I don't think Tesla was especially interested in yeah any of that stuff.
1: Yeah, and she invites him to a show, and then at the end she comes out and she's looking for him, and he's not there.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. um, and he's back at he's working with the with the Tesla coil, you know. He's, he's
0: trying to talk to Mars. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, he, so he essentially, he comes up with wireless communication. He, like, this is an idea that he has. And um, he gets J.P. Morgan to invest. Um, and he gets, she says it's, like, the equivalent of, like, $4 million today, I think, right? That's yeah. um, So uh he's working on it but he's so determined to like get to the biggest concept that he has that he can't like do any of the smaller things that would lead up to it so someone else manages to send a message across the english channel before he's ever done anything you know um and of course it's like using his patents but still he hasn't done it um and then yeah he thinks he's received martian signals and you know and points out like are you sure that's not just this other you know marconi this other guy right, like yeah. you're sure you're not picking up his signals and he's like no it's you know alien life is probable
0: <laughs> uh he says it's a statistical certainty which is definitely in the running yeah. for my most ethan hawk line of, of this
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then yeah and that made me think of um david bowie you know played tesla in the prestige mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that's the name of that movie the prestige another movie that had a very similar movie come out at the same time the illusionist yes,
2: that's true that's true um, also a good movie
1: also a good movie yeah i never
2: saw the illusionist so.
1: I, it's paul giamatti and like jessica beale uh
0: but yeah i
1: remember liking that one.
2: Is, is is hartnett the other
0: guy in
1: that maybe i don't remember the third person but
0: will find
1: it i you gotta know
0: um uh eh, also the the animated movie the 2010 animated movie the french uh oh it's it's norton that's it it's edward Ed norton.
1: norton okay mm.
0: uh yeah there's there's an animated movie from 2010 uh a french movie called the illusionist which is uh uh even better
1: oh so. nice wow um yeah so impossible not to think about David Bowie's Tesla when Ethan yeah, Hawke's Tesla yeah. is here talking about Martians mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. Know.
2: that's true that's true
1: yeah um I don't really remember the prestige that well I did,
2: what how did you guys of, feel
1: about that movie and David Bowie in it
2: <laughs> I remember liking it but I watched it so long ago that I don't remember I, I don't even really remember David Bowie in it
1: I remember he's uh, like there's pigeons right
0: yeah, I, I actually I actually went back and found uh, there is a video on YouTube where someone has just like edited together all the uh, Tesla scenes from the Prestige. Uh, his entrance in that movie is just it's great. Like he's walking out of a Tesla coil and and, and again, yeah, basically does that thing where he hands you uh, Jackman's character the light bulb and the light bulb goes off and sort of explains that like all you need to power that is the energy that runs through you and electricity that runs through you. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's it's great. I I have not. I've not seen that whole movie in probably a decade, but uh, I have, I have very fun, have fun feelings for it.
2: Yeah. Same. There's some, there's some crazy stuff going on in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some, some, and, and
0: another, and, yeah. Another fun movie about like embracing the idea that like, can you really trust what you see? And, right. and, and, yeah. and refra- reframing what you've already seen and, Sort of that cinematic misdirection of of when you're when you're in the hands of a good sort of visual artist who knows how to manipulate your attention a lot of things can get uh um things can sneak up on you because you're not you're you're looking in, in a place where you're not sort of expecting mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and also how could we know if things are going backwards or forwards because of tenet, am i right <laughs>
0: That was a movie. <laughs> yeah, you, the, you you uh, you mentioned that this is a quiet movie to see in a drive-in. You just need to take that and Tenet and balance them out, and you'll have the perfect volume movie. To... <laughs> well, we did see we Tenet. We saw Tenet at a drag. Yeah,
2: we so... saw it there too. Yeah. Um, was that, we seen, did we see any other movies? Were those just it? the two? I mean,
1: did we just do those two? I feel like we must weird have with something combo. else. It's weird. Yeah, I guess maybe that's it.
2: Yeah, I can't really think of anything else.
0: The only two movies of 2020 yeah that's it they're the most important
1: movies tesla and tenet yeah um,
0: those, those five those five letter t movies that's that's pretty much
2: all you need i think so what is tesla backwards
1: al set al yeah, That's nothing. <laughs> um in okay so this scene so he's just really failing a lot with this whole experiment and um he has one of my favorite lines of the movie i don't know if this is the most ethan hawk but i just really liked it he's writing to jp morgan and he says there has hardly been a night that my pillow has not been bathed in tears <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, very dramatic. it's very dramatic i loved it a lot sarah-, sarah bernard is 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 wearing off on him he's really embracing just the like sad boy banks in front of his eyes like <laughs> But yeah, when, when he shows up to in that sec, that last mm-hmm. the that last tennis scene, like he looks like enervated. He looks like he is like pale. He's gaunt. He's uh, like you can tell that he has gone through a lot and and that he's really feeling the effects of it. Totally.
2: I also love the idea of writing your investor <laughs> <and> saying, <laughs> "My pillow is bathed with tears." <laughs> <laughs> okay man
0: Uh, yeah yeah put put that in your uh in your next like patreon email (laughs) (laughs) um
1: yeah so he he doesn't get any more money from jp morgan and um then he goes on to do a dramatic karaoke version of everybody wants to rule the
0: world Mm -hmm. it's yeah uh, which which, which again in like reading interviews Apparently that was kind of a Spontaneous spur of the moment thing um, I love that Obviously not like It's not like oh they came up with this like on the day they filmed it But it was I don't think that was originally part of the shooting script When production started
1: mm-hmm. Yeah This was probably my favorite part of the movie um, <laughs> I It's incredible It's just great I love Ethan Hawke And I don't know what else there is to say I just Mm -hmm. love Ethan Hawke a lot Um, No, and what I I thought was interesting about it Is we know Ethan Hawke can sing You know, we've seen Juliet naked Um, We've seen Reality Bites We've seen Boyhood We know he can sing and he doesn't do a very good job i think intentionally Mm -hmm. um and there's just a really cool layer to that where because he is he's still tesla and we haven't gotten into this but his accent work in this movie is confounding yeah
0: And a little bit, yeah. A
2: little I, all over the place. He he. Th- there's times where he chooses to commit, and times where he's like, "I'm just going to be Ethan Hawke. Yeah, and just along for the ride." Yeah,
1: and is maybe we there? can just like say this is part of the like anachronistic iPhone thing. Is that sometimes <laughs> he's you know Eastern European, and sometimes he's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Um, it's it's slippery. It's slippery. Yeah. Uh, it did it did remind me of uh, have, you, have you seen Frank?
1: Yeah, what's up um, Frank?
2: i kind of watched it
1: oh i thought i kind of watched it and you were watching it well we both kind of watched frank i guess the one with oh with no. the giant head michael fassbender
2: oh i'm thinking of uncle frank
1: uh uncle frank uh, i did watch that movie recently. no i
2: have seen frank yeah, yeah. with michael fassbender yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: i t- not to for anyone listening who hasn't seen it not to spoil it but there is a there's a very similar kind of like cathartic climactic scene with oh, yeah. uh with with the main character singing that that feels the same way where it's like you get the sense that he um that the fastbender probably has a better voice than he's using in that scene mm-hmm. um but but it's it's that sort of like we're taking all of the anxiety that you've seen this character go through in this movie and there's this like sort of send-off song uh, yeah for, i mean for, i, for I for still listen purpose. to it sometimes yeah like, i get that song yeah. stuck in my head it's just such like a randomly. great song i just I'll it just
1: really is yeah oh man that's a good song yeah yeah um yeah so yeah i just i i liked the look of this scene too with a kind of like the you know really orange sun in the background and then it fades into like an ipod commercial from the two- yeah. yeah
0: from the <laughs> 2000s <laughs> and i was i was trying to figure out what it reminded me of and yes that 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 is exactly it
1: yeah um and then it's uh you know that ends and um we get eve houston again uh telling us that tesla dies um destitute in new york at 87 but two thousand people show up to his funeral
2: and he outlives the rest of them though yes he outlives (laughs) them all (laughs) yeah yeah i think i i think maybe my favorite scene was maybe the tennis scene uh which we didn't get too into but he shows up basically to ask morgan for more money and he's just so like dismissive of him and i don't i just thought that um that scene was so interesting because he's like He, he, you, it makes you almost sympathetic, or I don't know. He, because he just says, like, no one who's showed up to talk to me in 30 years has wanted anything other than money, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like, damn, dude. And then that's what he wants, too. He wants money, but you're like, you, you you feel for him because he's like, well, give it to him. He's got some cool (laughs) ideas, even though they're crazy. And he's just like talking about his ideas through the fence, even though like they've gone back to their game and just Mm -hmm. like, damn dude yeah which like uh, and
0: also a great sound moment where you hear the tennis ball up against a chain link fence and i was just thinking like is that is that what that fence i guess that's what that fence would have sounded like it's not like they're making out of like that much different material than they would be like now but Mm -hmm. but it was just like uh, it kind of goes to the accent thing where it's like any any detail in this movie once you've kind of blurred those lines you can kind of explain away like oh okay well that's we're just trying to give them the feel of like playing on a, you know, a central park tennis court. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was thinking about that too. I was like, with, with chain, like, did they really have fences like that? Like I was, I was wondering about that too.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But does it really matter? No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, So my most Ethan Hawk line that I have here. It's kind of from towards the beginning. He says he's talking about his motor with the investors. He says uh, that motor will do the work of the world. It will set men free. And I was like, "That's mine nice. too.
0: Solid. Nice. Solid. Yeah. Yep. Yeah." Uh, and and by the way, I did look it up. Uh, chain link fencing was invented in 1844. So, oh. wow, Looks like that's that's a uh, that's a valid <laughs> valid inclusion.
2: Great.
1: Nice. Um. Jonathan, did you did you already say you're most Ethan Hawkland?
2: No, I'm gonna
0: go with you guys. Oh, okay, great.
1: We're all we're all in agreement.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was it was between that or alien life is a statistical certainty. <laughs> that was the, those are the those are the two contenders. Yeah. Um uh, I guess just like two other things, since they didn't come up like while we were talking about them, uh one is the first time JP Morgan comes on screen for like a second and a half, I was thinking it was Michael Stuhlbarg and mm. I got really, really excited uh, <laughs> and and no, no offense to the, the actor who plays him, but uh, it, it just had me thinking of a, an alternate movie where no, JP be... Morgan plays a little bit more of a part and it's Michael Stuhlbarg. Mm-hmm. That would
1: be so good if it was him. Yeah. He's great. The other
0: thing is uh, this, this continues um, one of the, uh, one of the most dependable uh, uh, rules in all of Hollywood that is if uh, James Urbaniak shows up in the project, like, you know, it's going to be good. Um, uh, he's uh, um, and Morgan's uncle, I guess. So I guess, I guess he's JP Morgan's brother, I guess, um, or he's related somehow, but. Um, when they're in those patient meetings, he's the he's the guy who basically is like, "Oh yeah, no, this is great. You're you're gonna take over the world. Like like let's 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 do this."
2: Yeah. Um, but uh, Urbanek is he's, great. He's uh,
1: Anne Morgan's friend's uncle. I think that's he's what, a friend's yeah, okay, the friend's that's, uncle. That's that's okay. Yeah.
2: okay. There's, there's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> who we meet briefly. I was just I was
0: just distracted that it was him, and just like really excited that he was. That I'm I'm sad that he's only in that one scene. I was waiting for him to sort of come back at the end and be like, "You know what, Tesla? You're right. Let's give you even more money." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That should have been, they should have done an alternate ending where he, you know, gets all the money and invents the <laughs> iPhone in like, you know, Choose 1940. Hitler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jonathan, do you have something you'd like to share with us? Sure. It's time for a hawk fact. Steve, would you like to make a hawk noise? Ah! <laughs>
2: Beautiful. <laughs> Great.
1: And the arms. So good. <laughs>
2: Just for us, just for us, (laughs) not for for the listeners. Okay, well, uh, Tesla was, this is completely omitted from the movie, but Tesla was uh, known for his relationship with a pigeon who visited his window one time and, I don't know, they were very fond of each other, I suppose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tesla described this pigeon as like, you know, the love of his life mm-hmm. um, that, that's why you
0: didn't that's why you didn't care about Anne morgan or sarah bernhardt yeah, it's, yeah. It's, he already
2: had someone yeah um and so i was uh looking into the relationship between pigeons and hawks and uh this is not too surprising but um some cities use falconry as a way to
1: a pigeon population control yes well not not necessarily no.
2: population control but as uh Scarecrows almost like deterrence from them for gathering in certain places. Mm, gotcha. Um and they uh the thing is though is that you have to use them uh constantly because otherwise they'll the the birds will you know, pigeons or seagulls will just forget and come back to wherever it is. So you have to have like a regular presence of hawks or falcons um as a deterrent Um, but apparently falconry has been used to keep birds away from airports and landfill sites for a Mm. long time and apparently uh studies have suggested that it's more effective than some of like the more modern solutions which involve using like fireworks or like certain noises because eventually like seagulls and pigeons will kind of just adapt to that and recognize that it's not a threat and just mm-hmm. decide to ignore it whereas they cannot overcome their like innate uh, uh natural desire to avoid a hawk or a falcon Ooh. um but the thing is is that you you it's not it's not really a way to like you can't use you couldn't get enough hawks to like control an entire city or something like that Mm -hmm. they usually use it for like very specific locations so actually it's like i I was this is from bbc so they mentioned like the scottish parliament uh like some other uh famous locations the houses of parliament where they don't want birds to congregate but you have to you have to bring the bird out you have to bring the hawk out um like I said, like on a regular enough basis. Otherwise they're just going to forget. And they don't have, they don't have like a, they can't sense when a Hawk is around, you know, you have to actually fly them around and so that they can see it and then they'll kind of scatter. And I'm kind of, I assume it's just as a way to get them to like fly away. I don't think they're necessarily using them to like actually, (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah yeah
2: because i I think if if they're using them in like these very public places i don't imagine that they want you know tourists to see like a hawk swoop down and decimate a pigeon um but that that's there you go to this day they're still using uh hawks as uh to keep pigeons away which i'm sure ethan hawk tesla wouldn't have (laughs) wouldn't have appreciated because he had a was more than just a pigeon yeah and uh <laughs> there was also i was uh, when i was looking this up i i i came across uh, a bird called a pigeon hawk which is actually a falcon and Ooh. its name it it used to be called a pigeon hawk but it's now known as merlin
1: whoa
2: yeah <laughs> so this bird is just called merlin
1: that's a cool bird name
2: yeah that's- and uh actually quite like pigeons it uh it's populations in north america have actually grown because they've become adapted to city life and they forego migration like and that. i assume they were called pigeon hawks because they actually kind of look their tails look a little pigeon like they have like the black and gray striped thing mm-hmm. but um that's that's just that's just a bonus fact
1: bonus hawk fact yeah <laughs>
2: that, that's not even my main fact but i just was feeling generous today.
1: We got two for the price of one yeah. today. Thank you, Jonathan. Wonderful facts.
0: That, that that idea of like clearing birds out of public places. Um, uh, have you have you guys ever been to uh, San Francisco to see a San Francisco Giants game? Today?
2: No, no. I've been to San Francisco, uh, but I haven't yeah. been to a game.
0: So at the stadium where the Giants play, it's it's open air, and so right. sometimes late in the game, if they're playing a night game. Uh, sea- seagulls will come in from the bay because the, the steam is right on the, the water. Mm. Uh, so seagulls will come in and just like land in center field and just like hang out. Wow. <laughs> so they so they have, they, they flash this thing on the scoreboard for everybody to start clapping uh, and that mm. sound like sort of scatters the seagulls away. Oh, but wow. now I'm thinking like they just need to bring out a hawk and just like have a <laughs> circle overhead and just like clear the whole thing out. Like, yeah. That would be wow. a little bit more efficient.
2: Wow, that's amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: And actually, I had another question uh, in this hawk fact uh, segment. Uh, apologies if it has come up and I have not heard it. Um, have you talked about wingspan? The board I have game?
2: talked about.
0: Oh, um, about what? There's a board game called Wingspan. Oh, wow. uh, I didn't know that. No. Relatively recently. Um, yeah, it's really it's beautifully designed. Uh, um, but yeah, it, it, you basically play like a. Um, uh, a bird enthusiast collecting different types of birds from <laughs> like, yeah. So it's it's wow, uh, that's fun. It's
2: incredible. I, I didn't know that. No, I've talked about like the wingspan of hawks before, but I, I'm not familiar with this game.
1: Wow, we should get it and play it. Do a bonus episode where we play. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to look that up. Uh, thanks for the tip. Um, oh, I looked up a review of Tesla because you know it seems like a thing to do. <laughs> and um A.O. Scott reviewed it for the New York Times, of course.
2: At first I thought you were gonna say AOC.
1: Yeah, AOC. She went on Twitch, she was doing a live stream of watching Tesla. No, um uh. <laughs> No, A.O. Scott. Um, he I I liked this one bit where he was talking about Ethan Hawke. He said, Ethan Hawke with somber countenance and a heavy mustache plays Tesla as a restless soul burdened by genius and haunted by melancholy. A less imaginative film might have tried to trace that sorrow to a source in childhood or to establish a link between Tesla's Saturnine temperament and his unsettled career, but the character in Hawk's quietly magnetic performance is neither a heroic visionary nor a tragic hero. He's a mood.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's a mood. Wow. Accurate. Accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. He's very moody. Yeah. There's a lot of feelings about electricity.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. He does.
2: I mean, as as do we all, you know, take it for granted. But we we had a power outage not too long ago.
1: We did have a power outage on New and, Year's uh, Eve.
2: And you gotta you gotta appreciate electricity. I do appreciate electricity. Yeah. It's amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Thanks, Tesla. Thanks, Tesla. <laughs> I I hope you weren't secretly a uh, a monster, so that 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 sentiment will come back and bite us. That's <laughs> <laughs> true.
1: Um well do we have any more thoughts about Tesla or Ethan Hawke or anything?
0: Um I I like the uh um I I forgot to check to see if it was an actual song or not um or if it was just music they made for the sequence but as um as they enter um, Oh the
2: little disco uh, electro oh, yeah, 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 yeah yeah yeah.
0: That was, yeah. That one, was of my, fun. one of my favorite little uh, anachronisms cuz um, cuz it, it, it it's uh, it catches you by surprise because because you're 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 just not expecting it. Um, but then very quickly it it feels so natural. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because you're being primed to accept those things as the movie goes mm-hmm. on or if it just really does work well with that that mood and that lighting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very fun. Yeah, I like that. Well. Yeah, this movie. You, I feel like you've made me appreciate this movie more in this conversation. I had kind of middling feelings about it, to be quite honest. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely like appreciate a lot of the ideas that this movie mm-hmm. had,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: and the look of it. I liked the look of it a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think, and I think that just is entirely just due to expectations um, that, that having seen experimenter and kind of knowing what to expect and, and knowing that this would be a slightly irreverent take on uh, this kind of biopic. Um I, I think like with that karaoke sequence at the end, I don't know that it hundred percent works, but I love that it exists. <laughs> and I think that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my overall reaction to this, the, this movie is that there's a lot, there's a lot in it that doesn't fully like, cohere together Uh, and I think it does end up being more like a collection of like vignettes more than like an overall arc Um, but I I I would watch this 10 times more I haven't seen the current war but I can't imagine it's more interesting than this and I would probably watch this 10 times more
1: yeah there was another review I didn't read this one but um, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone he just in his review of Tesla he just like slams the current war (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, it was very funny. Wow. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I've been Harper. <laughs> you can find me on the internet at harpingabout on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. And something I've been enjoying outside of Ethan Hawke is the Supermarket Sweep reboot with Leslie Jones. Uh, we've just been binging it the last couple of days and it's been Great um it's so fun and i my my 2021 goal should it be safe is to get on supermarket suites. that's what <laughs> there i want you go.
0: that's did, my did you watch the original
1: yeah so we have um we have an antenna here we've never had cable and i you know and i went a whole year without internet um so like i only had this antenna that was like my only source of media was like an antenna and a dvd player and whatever dvds i had so like we there's a channel uh it's 13-2 um it's called mm-hmm. buzzer and uh it plays all the old game shows and yeah. for a long time that was like one of my main buzzer and like ion that channel that shows the procedural uh-huh. cop dramas mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. those were my two main sources of entertainment for like a full year so i've watched i've watched a good amount of supermarket sweep <laughs>
0: yeah what what were, what were some other like go-to classic game shows
1: oh i love match game it's very yeah. fun oh, yeah. um yeah yep yeah recently they've been showing a lot of um i don't concentration yeah the with trebek the, show yeah yeah the trebek show that's fun
2: yeah also unsurprisingly like a kind of like slightly nerdier take on yeah the game show mm-hmm. because because it, it, there, there's there's a thinking element to it like that you also get in jeopardy mm-hmm. with concentration where it's like you're Part of it's the matching, but then you also have some other things that you have to There's
1: matching and then you're solving like a like a riddle yeah, yeah, underneath yeah. the matching. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's fun. Um what I don't know. I feel like we have there's so many shows on that channel.
2: Yes, there are.
1: Yeah. I don't know. We love game shows.
2: <laughs> game shows are fun. <laughs>
1: yeah, and we watched um great. recently Big Fat Quiz of the Year. You know, we like the we like our British uh, game shows too. Yep. Um yep. Yep. there was a eight out of ten cats does countdown Christmas episode that we watched recently um,
0: I, just, I, I I love how incomparable incomprehensible that is to anybody listening who like doesn't know what that is like just the concept <laughs> yeah. the phrase 8 out of 10 cats does down Christmas show that's such a mad libs like description that yes. like uh yeah. yeah trying to explain that to somebody who was not familiar with the concept of British panel shows is, I, I, that's
2: as bad. I was not too long ago yeah like I, I remember you talking about 8 out of 10 cats does countdown I'm like that this is not that's not a sentence that doesn't that doesn't mean anything yeah. ban- but now I get it like,
0: it's like the sentence is just buffalo eight times. It's yeah, just exactly, like, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's just it's words. It's, it, yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I probably, well, when I was in high school, I was a big fan of Nevermind the Buzzcocks, which is like the music, the panel show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and then shortly after that, I watched IT Crowd. And so then I think, you know, my YouTube algorithms aligned mm-hmm. so that I started watching eight out of 10 Cats Discountdown.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah um jonathan where can the people find you and what have you been enjoying
2: okay you could find me on instagram at letterboxd, and letterboxd John avaleta and a thing i've been enjoying uh i'm also gonna go with supermarket sweep.
1: yes when you hear the <laughs> beep
2: think of how much fun you could be having on supermarket, supermarket sweep
1: <laughs> 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 yeah abc should truly be paying us at this point um <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, well, I'm glad you're also enjoying Supermarket Sweep. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. Um, it's
2: it's it's the the concept, uh, the the way the show is done today compared with how it's done before. It's almost unchanged. It's almost entirely yeah. unchanged, but except that you get like some. You, there's a little emoji thing, and then you get like some new products that we're familiar with. Yeah. But that actually makes a big difference because watching the og supermarket sweep mm-hmm. i there are so many things a, a lot of clues that i cannot solve because i just don't because know I what I those simply products have are never heard of like these products that were like household names at that time mm-hmm. and i'm like this is meaningless to me
1: yeah the other thing that they've kind of done away with in the new show is the um that the uh quiz part where the trivia part where they ask how much everything is is worth
2: oh yeah um yeah. they don't
1: have that in the new show which i think is because i was reading i you know went down a supermarket sweep rabbit hole that they in on the old show they used like the like the local price so like the los angeles price of products and people would come on the show and expect like their average you know whatever midwest price and it oh, was
2: totally wow. different wow that's so interesting yeah but i thought the whole thing was that they're just supposed to say which one is more expensive right
1: kind of but i mean i think that you know if you see you see a price on one that's like you know two dollars and 67 cents right, or right, something right, right. and you say oh is this product more or less expensive than it than your concept you just think of, of the price first. yeah, yeah. wow yeah. So that's
2: so interesting
1: to, uh, for me i feel like that's why they probably got rid of it but i don't know yeah yeah
2: and it
0: probably it probably dates it less
1: that's true. It probably mm-hmm.
0: makes it easier to then syndicate it if if, if it gets popular.
1: Mm-hmm. I hope so. There's only 10 episodes right now, but I hope they filmed more of it <laughs> <laughs> and that they uh, do a second season.
0: I haven't watched it. Are, are the hams really important in this one, too? They're yeah. turkey. I,
1: uh, frozen, Tur- frozen
0: turkey. There's yeah, a bunch yeah. of different yeah. meat, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember that was, like, the big thing that, like, in the old version, it was, like, you just, first thing, you make a beeline for the meat section, and you just load up an entire cart with, like, ham and turkey.
2: Yeah. Although, I think the personal shopping list, I feel like that's a new thing. No, the it's, personal, he did it, the personal shopping it, list. He did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah
1: um and then also oh the big thing now though the big strategy if you're gonna go on supermarket sweep is like go straight for there's like a section with like yeti um you know like the uh, water bottles tumblers,
2: yeah, yeah. The coolers, the, like, coolers yeah and all coolers stuff, and water yeah. bottles
1: yeah so just that's the first move that, and i
2: think they also have like cast iron skillets in yeah, that yeah. aisle as well so uh, okay there's a lot of high-ticket items in there.
1: Yeah, we've been talking a lot about strategy. <laughs> yeah.
2: And we've got we've gotten to a point now where like we're criticizing people. Yeah. Because there was a guy that ran and he grabbed like the the big tubs of like the Maxwell House coffee. It's
1: like those aren't worth anything. Yeah,
2: they're they're big, <laughs> but they don't cost a lot. They're like five bucks each. You yeah. Know?
1: Yeah. You got to go for that thirty-five dollar honey.
2: Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you've gotten totally sidetracked. Where can the people find you and what have you been enjoying outside of Ethan Hawke And do you have anything else you'd like to plug?
0: Yeah, on, on Twitter, I am at Steve Bruin, B R U I N. Still trying to get my first and last name as my handle. Uh, man, a, I know. I remember a... that from last year. It, it it is a journey that has lasted uh, now over thirteen years. So I, I, no. I, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see if it's if it's a recurring thing next year. Um, uh, Instagram uh, Steve is green. Uh, it's green with an e on the end of green. Um, the thing that I'm really enjoying uh, right now is all creatures great and small. Uh, oh, it mm-hmm. is a um, adaptation of the James Harriet memoir um, that's sort of been a classic for anyone uh, who has children who want to be a veterinarian when they grow up. Um, uh, So uh, this is a a new TV version that they made uh, for British TV that's now airing uh, on PBS as part of Masterpiece. Um, A uh, sort of a small town uh, veterinary student uh, goes to a sort of North English village uh, and uh, gets a job as an apprentice to the local veterinarian there and gets sort of uh, uh, welcomed into this sort of unofficial family. Uh, and it's just very sweet and it's just very wholesome, uh, but not in a saccharine way. Uh, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of shows that are sort of designed to make you feel good, but just like are completely fluffy and have no weight whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. This one actually like is is really well-written. The characters are very, uh, uh, they're, they're drawn in a, in a complex way that sort of goes beyond what you'd expect from like, Oh, this, this, like, uh, this mentor who's like a little grizzled at the beginning, but then like you break him down and he's got a heart underneath. Like, <laughs> all, like it, it, has a lot of those character types, but it, it takes them and builds them out so much better. Um, I I love it dearly, and I will be shocked if at the end of the year it is not like one of the shows that I have like recommended to everybody. Um, <laughs> it it really hits that like Downton Abbey sweet spot, but isn't like soapy. It's just like it's yeah. It it's it's the it's the kind of show that. Um, like, I'm sure that like my parents would have, uh, loved for my sisters and I to have as a kid to just Mm -hmm. like have that be like an, a, like a quote unquote show with adults that kids can watch too. Um, so yeah, fun for the whole family. All creatures great and small. I love it. Uh, I love it dearly. Um, and then I sort of a plug, uh, um, regardless of when you listen to this, um, I am very proud of the end of year work we did at IndieWire, uh, sort of recapping all the best of the year. Um, I wrote a, a podcast list that was sort of a, a tribute to the year in pocket. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, ranking the top 100 or whatever. Um, and I also love uh, my colleague, Leo Adrian Garcia and I, we also did the best music videos, um, a list that mm, I am nice. very proud of that we worked on. Um, but yeah, there's, there's tons of great stuff from the film and TV teams um and with a with a few other sort of wild card topics thrown in so i i uh there are a few things in this world that i love more than end of year lists and i think that whether you're listening to this in february or june or 2023 uh <laughs> go back and read those and i think you'll uh you'll get a lot out of it awesome nice. yeah
1: i i yeah i like checking out your podcast lists so i'm i'm excited to read that um Okay, well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us again. It was a blast to talk Hawk with you once more.
0: Um... Oh, this is a, it's a delight. I'm, I'm very sad we can't take a selfie in front of the Christmas tree. Uh, but, uh, I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm having my fingers crossed that, uh, we'll, uh, whether it's on this podcast or in some other context, we'll, uh, you know, we'll get to do that again sometime soon. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And Jonathan will hold the laptop lovingly in his arms and we will take a <laughs> selfie in front of the tree. Still, Yeah. So we can OK, great. Instagram. Great. Yeah. OK, well, um, thanks for listening, everyone. Oh, I guess because I haven't ever said this in a long time. Go rate and review on <laughs> Apple Podcasts. And tell your friends and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Not that I even use Twitter anymore because I've been a very bad social media manager for this show. And um, yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) Good night.